This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. It's great to have you along. Thanks for joining us. I'm Leanne Castellino. Welcome to this edition of Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. Every week, we delve into parenting hot topics with newsmakers, experts, and others, all of whom are parents themselves. Our focus is specifically on moms and dads with kids 15 to 24 years old. On today's show, a couple of pretty thought-provoking topics. Later on in the half hour, jobs, 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 drawing a line from education to employment, tips, advice, and strategies on how parents can support their child with job hunting and career planning. We'll speak to a career counselor who specializes in the clientele of teens and young adults in the 15 to 24-year-old age group. Up first, though, have you ever thought about how much pressure you may be putting on your child as a parent, be that intentionally or not? An increasingly important question, to be sure. Studies show parental pressure is rampant and growing around the world, so much so that our first guest calls it the new global pandemic, and its impact is being felt in significant ways. Dr. Hank Weisinger is a father of two and a clinical psychologist who's been in practice for more than 40 years. A global expert in the areas of emotional intelligence and anger management, Dr. Weisinger's clientele includes individuals, governments, and multinationals from IBM to J&J. He is a New York Times bestselling author. His latest effort, released in July of 2021, is one he co-authored with fellow psychologist, Dr. Chris Thurber. The book is called The Unlikely Art of Parental Pressure, a positive approach to pushing your child to be their best self. Dr. Weisinger joins us from Norwalk, Connecticut. Thanks so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Let me start by asking you, what was the impetus for this book? Well, actually, the last book I wrote was called Performing Under Pressure, and I thought a very useful resource for parents would be a book uh, teaching them how to teach their kids to perform under pressure. And then the uh, cheating scandal known as Varsity Blues uh, occurred, and I started to rethink, and I started to realize uh, that forget about the kids, the teens, Uh, I started to focus on the parents, and that's how I got into the subject of parental uh, parental pressure. It was really that cheating scandal that made me realize uh, we always talk about the kids being dysfunctional, developing maladaptive coping habits, substance abuse, for example. Um, And what I found is that more often than not, the parents are the culprit through the way they exert parental pressure. Let's unpack, first of all, the whole idea of pressure uh, in order to better understand uh, that there are different types of pressure, and you call it the new global pandemic. Why is that? I call it the new global pandemic because the unhealthy effects of parental pressure is worldwide. There are not just a few studies but numerous studies from China, India, UK, 
North Korea, Budapest, Germany, Australia, Canada, that all investigate different aspects of parental pressure with the basic conclusion being that unhealthy parental pressure is infecting our youth with a bunch of psychological disorders that you actually have to read the research to believe how severe it is. So that's why I say it's a global pandemic. The, the parental pressure in China, for example, it's hard to believe, but it's, it's worse and more intense for youth than it is in the United States. Well, and it's interesting to hear you talk about the studies that have found this, because anecdotally, I'm sure a lot of listeners, and I know myself personally, kind of see it. And we're all on some level guilty of it as parents ourselves, because it's that fine line between wanting the best for your child and then maybe going overboard in that regard. So how did parents find the balance there? Well, that is a really good point, because that is the, the irony, the paradox it's, it's well-intentioned parents. You know, very few parents uh, go to bed at night thinking, how can I make my uh, kid feel worse tomorrow? How can I create more psychological stress in them? So that is the irony. And the way that a parent has to balance that and transform how they exert pressure is first by looking at themselves and looking at the expectations that they have for their son or daughter and ask themselves, are those expectations really a reflection of my own aspirations? You know, many, for example, sports parents, uh, whether it's the mother or the father, perhaps they were an athlete growing up, uh, but they never, quote, made it. So now they are living vicariously through their son or daughter who really doesn't care about sports. But the parent, because they want their own needs met, pushes it upon them. And, and that is really parental expectations are really the big bang for creating parental pressure. You know, parents come home with an infant from the hospital. There's no pressure on the infant. It's just the other way around. The infant's going to sleep when he or she wants to. They're going to go to the bathroom. They're going to eat when they want to. And then so it's really pressure on the parents. But inevitably, that changes once the parent starts to formulate their expectations, starting with you will sleep 10 hours a night, you will eat when I feed you, and so on. You will go to the bathroom three or four times a day. And that is the beginning of parental pressure. It's manifested through the parental expectations. So I always tell parents, why is this important? Is it important for your, for your child? Or is it important for, for uh, you? And that is a good place for parents to, to start. It really is a key reflection point uh, when you put it in those terms. We are in conversation with Dr. Hank Weisinger about his new book called The Unlikely Art of Parental Pressure, a positive approach to pushing your child to be their best self. I'm Leanne Castellino, and you are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. Let's talk about contributing factors to this unhealthy pressure that so many parents appear to be, um, you know, inflicting on their children. Why are they doing this? What's contributing to that? 
Well, I think the main factor is that the world is becoming more and more competitive. So knowing that parents who want the best for their kids start to um, contribute to the pressure by creating a mindset in their child that every test is the most important test they're going to take. Uh, they start to see the world as being very competitive. And because the parents see the world as competitive, they also see that there's just scarcity of opportunities. I mean, there's only so many kids who can get into an Ivy League school. So now the parent is, is feeling it's competitive. Uh, you, you have to be perfect because there are only a certain amount of opportunities. Uh, a sense of urgency is created. Everything becomes do it now. And that causes the uh, child, the teen, to feel as though they have to perform. That is the key word in terms of when you experience pressure, whether it is the parent experiencing pressure at work or the uh, child experiencing pressure when they are taking a test. That word is have to. They feel they have to perform or they will no longer exist. I mean, that's the primal, that's the primal fear that uh, unhealthy pressure uh, taps into. Everything becomes a do or die situation. And I think that what drives that is the perception that the world is competitive, hostile, uh, and it is every person for, for themselves. I think that's the main reason we see this all over, all over the world. And we saw that, you know, in such you know, raw, uh, you know, illustration in terms of the college scandal that you referenced earlier, which of course grabbed global headlines. Let me ask you, uh, could you give us the broad strokes of the evidence-based research that you undertook in order to write this book? Clinical research is one thing. Then I started to look at everything that is related to parental pressure. And what I would find are consistent studies that would show, for example, different patterns in how parents communicate with their kids around issues of how they give criticism, how they give praise, how they ask questions. I found certain research uh, evidence about the idea of parental warmth how one set of parents, we'll call those support parents, communicate warmth very differently than what we call pressure parents. And we found differences experimentally around parental involvement, how parents respect the boundaries of their, of their kids. Now, I will tell you that for about six months, 12 hours a day, this is all I was doing was reading all research and studies. And all they were really doing was confirming my clinical experiences. The data is very clear in terms of what constitutes a pressure parent and what constitutes a support parent. Pressure is a universal experience for everybody and parental pressure is inherent in every parent-child relationship, whether that parent is in Japan or whether they are in uh, Ethiopia. 
We are speaking to Dr. Hank Weisinger, psychologist, father of two, and author of The Unlikely Art of Parental Pressure. Now, this week's giveaway comes courtesy of Dr. Weisinger. He's offering one of his coveted online courses for free. It's valued at over $100. For this giveaway, just head to any one of Where Parents Talk social media channels, comment on our latest post using hashtag Where Parents Talk Radio, and tell us your key takeaway from today's show. That's it. Now, Dr. Weisinger, I want to ask you about the eight evidence-based strategies that you describe in your book around harmful versus healthy pressure. Could you give us some examples of the actionable tactics that parents can take in this regard? One of them, for example, is being going from being parent-centered to child-centered. Now, that has to do with the concept of expectations. And what that means is that expectations influence behavior of child. If you have positive expectations of your, of your child, they will actually perform better. If you have negative expectations of your child, they will perform worse. But expectations also influence the feelings of the parent, as when a child does not come up to the parent's expectation. A lot of problems for occur because the expectations are based on what is important to the parent rather than what is important to the child. So one way is to move your expectations um, from what the parent has, which are basically their aspirations, and put the expectations more on to the child that are important uh, in, on communication to use to move from what we call surface communication, which is very superficial, to deep communication. In other words, use questions to stimulate thoughts and ideas and feelings of the child rather than to elicit facts. Concretely, that might mean where the parent, pressure parents will ask questions like, what did you get on the test? What did you do at school today? Who are you talking to? Those are all facts. Whereas a support parent would ask questions along the lines of, well, what are your thoughts about this? How do you feel about this? Um, in other words, the parent will try to get the child through questions to articulate their thoughts and their ideas and their feelings. Going from hearing to listening. Many parents will say, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But they're not really listening. They're not really showing empathy. And that is because parents many times will listen for facts rather than listening for feelings. We'll have to leave it there. Dr. Hank Weisinger, co-author of The Unlikely Art of Parental Pressure. Thank you so much for your time and perspective today. Thanks for having me, Lynn. I had a good time. When we come back on Where Parents Talk, the do's and don'ts of supporting your child with mapping out their career. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. When it comes to considering career options, 
Our next guest believes a parent can never start that process too early with their child. Sabrina McTaggart is a mom of two. She is a career counselor for youth and young adults, specializing in the 18 to 24-year-old age group. She supports families from across Ontario and throughout Canada. Sabrina McTaggart joins us from Ottawa. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be here, Leanne. Thank you. Jobs of the future, career considerations, turning education into employment options. There's so much to talk about, Sabrina. Could you take us through the range of services you provide as a career coach for youth and young adults? I help young people and their parents to understand the process. It's, I, I, what I do is provide a framework uh, as to how one can begin the process of career exploration and career planning. And of course, this tracks back to education. You know, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind, which I'm a big believer in. But it's important to understand you can't have it all figured out at age 16 or 17 or 18. And so starting with education and what exploring what your post-secondary options is, is a really good place to start. I also help young people with interview preparation if they're interviewing for summer jobs or they're young professionals and they're, they're looking to make their next move. Um, I would say what a, a misconception is, will you help my 20-something who just graduated get a job? I, what I don't do is help young people get a job, but I will help them to understand the process. What would you say are some of the foundational pieces that a career plan for youth and young adults should entail? One of the questions I like to lead with when I'm working with a young person is I like to ask them, Imagine we hit the fast forward button. So you're 17 years old now, you're 18. Let's fast forward to when you're 28 years old. And that feels really old to a teenager to imagine themselves at 28. One of the things I ask them is, what's a job you know for certain you would hate doing? And it's fascinating to hear the answers. And they'll say, oh, I would never want to be uh, a surgeon because it's too gross. There's too much blood. I would never want to be a kindergarten teacher because... I don't want to be with little kids all day. And so, and, and, and we start to dissect what they don't want to do. And when we take that apart, one of the things I say to them is, I know someone who's a surgeon and he loves it. That's the perfect job for him. I know some people who are kindergarten teachers and that's the perfect job for them. So what do, what do we learn there? What's a perfect job for one person is a nightmare job for another person. So what does that tell us? It tells us it's all about the individual. So when you asked about foundational pieces, in my experience, in many years of doing this work, I would say there are four steps. The first and most important is know yourself. And I know that can sound really woo-woo, but it's really about understanding who am I? What are my natural skills and aptitudes? What am I curious about? Am I more introverted or more extroverted? Am I a planner or more spontaneous? What do I value? How do I define success? What does the good life mean to me? So when I say know yourself, that's what I mean. Number two, do your research. Young people these days are so lucky because they have this thing called the internet. And there is so much they can learn about different career options by doing their research. 
but it is a bit overwhelming. So it's useful to have some questions to guide your career research. Step number three, talk to people. If there's a career that you're interested in, try to find somebody who's actually doing that work and, and ask them, what do you really do all day? What's it like, you know, to be a forensic scientist? What's it, what, how does an architect really spend their days? So talk to people. That's a powerful way of learning about the world of work. And the last, the fourth and last step in the process is be excellent. Be really, really good. Hold yourself to a high standard. And so I think those four steps summarize how one can find their way to career satisfaction. Our guest is Sabrina McTaggart, a career coach for young adults, and she's based in Ottawa. She provides her expertise to clients both locally and nationally as well. The words follow your passion is a common refrain that we hear these days when it comes to uh, career choices and, you know, helping young people decide their futures. What is your take on follow your passion? You know, I call it the P word. Passion is a really loaded word. Think about it. When we use the word passion, it's almost always related to your romantic partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. The passion is a, is a romantic word. I think using that phrase or telling young people to find your passion, follow your passion, first of all, it puts an awful lot of pressure on a young person. The other thing it does is it creates really grand expectations about work. It sets people, young people up for, I am going to jump out of bed in the morning with my heart racing in excitement because I can't wait to get to the office. I can't wait to get to the job site. And then when they start their job and they don't love every minute of it, they think, well, this must not be my passion. I must have picked the wrong thing. I would say instead, think about it this way. Don't think about finding your passion. Think about developing your passion. And another way to phrase this would be, it, it, it's a really good summary, is life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. So if you think about that being to create yourself means to be out there doing things. You cannot think your way through this. You have to get out from behind your screen. And I know it's been harder in the pandemic, but it's not impossible. You have to get out there and do things. You have to try things. I encourage young people to think of it as test driving. What does it mean? I have a client right now who's curious about what would it be, mean to be a social media um, manager? Well, I guarantee you there's lots of volunteer organizations, charitable organizations who would love to have someone lend an extra set of hands doing their social media for them. Try it out. Test drive it. See how it, what, what is it really like to do that work? You are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino, and we are in conversation with career coach for youth, Sabrina McTaggart. We're going to delve deeper into this topic on whereparentstalk.com and on our social media channels as well. So be sure to check out our video interview with Sabrina and additional content on whereparentstalk.com. What kind of career coaching process does your typical client experience? So I'm a big believer, Leanne, that everybody has a superpower. And sometimes our superpowers are so close to us uh, and they're so natural to us that we dismiss them. You know, we think, oh, well, everybody's good at that. 
it's not true. Um, but I would say I am the person who wants to hear people's stories. It is endlessly fascinating for me to hear, hear people's stories. And that's what happens in good career coaching. Uh, my superpower is active listening, is to really sit across from someone, hear their story, read their body language, uh, notice the when, when the inflection in their voice changes, um, hear about things that, experiences they've had that make them come alive, where they feel like their work matters. And, you know, I could summarize it by saying, I care. Like, I really care about my clients. So over the years of doing this work, I've developed all kinds of tools and exercises to draw information out of the young person to help them understand, to help them begin that process of self-awareness, self-reflection, and then help them connect that to the world of work. I'm quick to say that I feel a responsibility to be very open with young people and their families and tell them this is often a daunting task. It's important for them to realize that this isn't easy. This is not easy work. It's a daunting task, and but it's worth doing because you're probably going to be working for many, many decades to come. So why not figure it out when you're young? We live in the knowledge economy with the internet and social media and all kinds of other resources out there um, and free and accessible. Has that been a help or a hindrance, in your opinion, with respect to what you do and young people trying to find their career path? It's both sides of the coin, of course. Of course it is. Uh, on the one hand, it's a hindrance, it's a burden, because Everybody is looking at the highlight reel of somebody else's Instagram of, you know, I, I, I have this amazing job, my career is, it launched me into this beautiful life. And that can, you know, have you ever heard that saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And when you're on social media and exposed to all that stuff, it can really feel like, wow, I'm the only one in my 20s who doesn't have it all figured out. On the other hand, I think young people need to recognize that having access to all of that information is a huge gift. It's a, it's a, the problem is it's, it's an ocean of information, and you have to find a way to sift through to get the pieces you need. But uh, it, it's very powerful to be able to use the internet to find out about what is happening in the world of work. My observation is that a lot of young people, despite how savvy they are, they know about 20th century jobs. They know teacher, they know doctor, they know police officer, but they don't necessarily know 21st century jobs. And so the internet can help you figure that out. Um, I would also say there is a ton of free resources out there about career exploration and planning. Do some Googling, tap into that and take advantage. I want to leave young people and their parents with a very hopeful message, which is you cannot open a newspaper or turn on the news these days without hearing. We are facing a major labor shortage in this country. We are an aging population. The baby boomers are retiring in droves, and that leaves all kinds of opportunity for young people. So what I say to young people is get Understand what's happening in the labor market. 
understand what skills are in demand, how your personal skill set aligns with that. And remember, if you get a good education, you work hard, you've got a good attitude, and you're a great team player, you are going to have a job, you're going to have a career. Can you see exactly how it's all going to play out right now at the age of 18 or 21? You cannot. There's going to be lots and twists and turns, but there is going to be lots of work opportunity out there. So take heart in that. What a positive message to end on. Thank you so much, Sabrina McTaggart, Career Counselor for Youth and Young Adults. Thank you, Leanne. It was a pleasure. That's our time for this edition of Where Parents Talk. Be sure to get the details about today's giveaway at whereparentstalk.com and our social media channels. Till next time, I'm Leanne Castellino. Happy parenting. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.